This time on Holy Ghost Notes. I'm anxious as hell right now. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling really good. I went crazy. (sighs) Get out of here. And you make yourself a sandwich. Wow, I don't know why it's turning out this good. Hello, this is Matt, and you are listening to the Holy Ghost Notes podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will be doing this podcast intro and outro by myself without Tim. Um, Our schedules didn't allow for us to be together, and so here I am uh, doing it by myself for the first time since we started the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Um, I just want to say up front, it's it's great to have a podcast where we can talk openly about... um, two of the most important things in my life, at least, which are drums and my faith. Um, and, uh, throughout, throughout the last couple months and actually years now, we've, we've talked about a lot of different drum topics and faith topics. And I just really appreciate all of you guys, um, that have been tuning in, following along, engaging in the conversation that, um, sometimes we start, you know, Tim and I start on here and other times we're following along with what you, you know, you might be talking about in the inner circle. Um, so thank you. I appreciate that up front. I wanted to say that, and we wouldn't be able to do this without you guys and your support. Um, okay. So before we get into, um, our guest for the day, his name is Alex Rudinger, amazing drummer. Um, I want to talk about a topic that I was thinking about as we were recording Alex. Um, and it's, it's based on a famous message or speech um, that Teddy Roosevelt gave in 1910. So Teddy Roosevelt um, had gone hunting, from what I understand, in Central Africa um, before getting on a tour, uh, you know, embarking on a tour in Northern Africa in Europe in 1910. And, and he gave a series of, of speeches in Cairo, Berlin, Naples, Oxford, he stopped in Paris on April 23rd at 3 p.m. And that is where he gave the speech. And the, the speech was formally called Citizenship in a Republic, um, which would later sort of come to be known as the Man in the Arena speech. So if you've ever heard of this, you probably know it as the Man in the Arena. Um, anyway, I'll just read this and then I want to talk about it and, and what kind of implications it, it has for us, whether we are drummers, musicians, creatives, um, and, and, or not, you know, and then I also want to talk about how it connects to someone like Alex, who's so dedicated to his craft and really lives his life in a way that I respect. So here it is, the man in the arena. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how strong man, how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end of the triumph of of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. 
so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. I want to read that last part again. But who actually strives to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Okay, so um, in my life, it I've learned that it's very easy to cast judgment um, when it's an area of my life I don't have to um, have any dog in the fight, horse in the race, no skin in the game. It's easy to say, oh, well, they're doing that poorly. That should be done better. That's not the right way. That's the wrong way. When, you know what? Um, I'm not even a part of that, you know, demographic or genre of life. Um, It's easy to cast judgment on things that I don't have a personal investment into. I realized this recently when I was working on my worship record. So I started a worship band about two years ago called Clay Collective. And up until that point, it was very easy to listen to worship bands and sort of say, well, you know, it would be, it would be better if they did it this way instead. Or man, worship music, generally speaking, should be improved upon, right? And I think a lot of us Christians have had those types of conversations where we look at something like worship music or anything else inside of Christianity, the way that people live their lives, their morality, or lack thereof. And we like to say, boy, they're not doing it very well. They should be doing a better job of that. That can be improved upon. And that was certainly me with worship music until I started my worship band. And at that point, I realized, man, it is hard to write a worship song that doesn't have the typical quintessential builds. And if you're a drummer, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your quarter note build, your eighth note, maybe a 16th note at the end, crescendos into your big chorus, right? Uh, It's so common in worship. Um, Yeah, when you start a worship band and start working on worship songs, it's hard to uh, not implement that into your song because it just works. It's there because it's a good idea. Lyrically speaking, it's hard to write a worship song that doesn't parallel a lot of the same themes that we see so often in worship music. And it's really easy to stand on the outside and cast judgments at things that we don't have a personal investment into. We don't have experience in. I would challenge you as a listener, just as I've been challenged to think about the areas of our lives that we find ourselves making judgments. And I would challenge you to think if you were in the position that that person or that group is in, uh, could you do a better job than them? Would you be able to succeed in a way that they are not? Because what I've found is it's more difficult than you think. We have a more idealistic view of ourselves than what is most often appropriate. Um, So going back to this speech, what Teddy is saying um, is that, well, it's not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how, 
how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man that is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who comes up short again and again and again and again, right? It sounds a lot like being a Christian because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. That is an incredible message. Um, And I think that as I tie this into Alex, Alex is someone who's willing to do the work. And he's got to the point in his life where he is okay knowing he will fail at times in the work that he's doing. But underneath everything, he understands that um, the work is worth doing and that there will be people who cast judgment and sit on their throne and look down their nose and say, you could have done this better or why aren't you doing it this way? And he, he's willing to say, you know what, I'm, I can take it. I can take all of that. I can take the criticism because at least I know I'm the person in the arena. That's what gives me purpose. Keeping that in mind, I would like to introduce Alex Rudinger, amazing drummer, amazing dude. Can't wait for you to hear this conversation. Let's go. Hey, we are so excited to have Alex Rudinger. Did I did I pronounce that correctly, Alex? Uh, pretty much. It's it's Rudinger. <laughs> uh, kind of like with a hard U or whatever. But I okay. I don't really ever at this point in my life I never really correct people. So you were <laughs> okay. you were right on. Yeah, I was close enough. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so uh, what's going on, man? How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Uh, I, you know, I'm chilling right now. I, uh, yeah, that's it. That's awesome. (laughs) How about you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, so I'm going to actually skip over a bunch of questions because, uh, you mentioned that you've been working on, uh, sampling for a company that you co-own with uh, your friend Anoop. Uh, so tell us a little bit about what you've been up to lately and uh, a little bit about your company RS Drums. Yeah, thanks for uh, asking, man. Yeah, I uh, well, lately I've just been kind of trying to do whatever I can, really, the whole last year since COVID started um, to get by and whatnot. You know, it's been definitely a challenging time, but one good mm. thing for me has been that Anoop and I have had a little bit more time to kind of focus on that business, and we launched it, you know, during COVID, and, you know, that was like not part of the plan, but it was hmm. when we were going to launch it anyway. So, yeah. Um, and we currently sell, we have one, you know, it's like a digital drum plugin. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have one currently and at, right now, in fact, we're working on a second, um, and it's been killing me cause I've been sampling drums the last few days, <laughs> which I don't know if you've ever like taken an extensive sample library, Matt, uh, or either of you, but it's uh, sampling symbols in particular is incredibly mm-hmm. boring. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. got done doing this same thing, actually, Alex. I, I um, a little while ago, I I started recording something for 
uh, all I can say is a company that I'm working with. And heck yeah. Um, and it was a couple of years ago, right? So we started working on this project, and it's like, okay, so I just have to hit each drummer symbol a couple times, right? It's not a big no. deal. It's not going to be all that labor intensive. <laughs> and then we got the Excel spreadsheet from the person we're working with detailing what we have to do, right? So just imagine sitting in a studio, if you're listening to this, just imagine sitting in a studio, you have your drum kit in front of you, and you're thinking, okay, I just have to hit. Uh, you know, snare three times, kick a bunch of times, and then cymbals, sure, we can, you know, just go down through the list. But there is a certain protocol in place to do this correctly so that there's decay, you know, that oh, yeah. can work its way into this mix because you don't want to just hit a cymbal and then eight seconds later hit it again because you haven't fully realized the decay of that cymbal. So, so there is like a whole system of checks and balances and it will drive you crazy. Like you will go crazy yeah. doing this, dude. It, it I went absolutely. crazy. I I also uh, yeah, man. Because that's I don't know how many when you did yours, how many like velocity layers and stuff you did. But uh, Anup and I, we did a lot on the last one, but we're trying to be even more thorough on this one. And yeah, it's like last night I was sampling a splash, an eight inch splash, and I somehow managed to get eight velocity layers out of it. Which is a lot to me for a symbol that size. Um, you know, like eight wow. dynamic levels on an eight inch splash. I was just yeah. like, so in each one, I'm getting at least 10 good hits. And then with symbols, every time, you know, there'll be one where I hit it once and I'm like, oh man, I don't think that was quite hard enough or not right. quite hard enough. And so I right. end up having to do extra. So just doing one layer of an eight inch splash and letting it decay out, you know, with all the extra ones you have to do to make sure you have enough. It's, it can right. take like, you know, 10 minutes a layer or something. Yeah. And so, uh, so I want to ask you about this because I had trouble, my brain doesn't work like this. Um, and what I mean is I, I'll hit a symbol. Let's say I'm doing, let's see on, I have to think about this on symbols. We were doing soft, medium, soft, medium, medium, hard, hard. Okay, and okay, then symbol yeah. chokes. So that was our template. Soft, medium, soft, medium, medium, hard, hard, and then choke. Uh, and each one of those was getting, I forget how many we were doing. It was probably 15, it was 10 or 15 per yeah. hit. Okay, so I had trouble counting how many hits I had done and also counting how many seconds between each hit. So what we figured out, um, is if you set your metronome to 60 BPM, yeah. then, okay, so you know where I'm going with this. So each beat is a second. Oh, so yeah, you're counting, yeah, BPM you're is relative clicks. to the quarter note, yeah. Right, right. So, But that still wasn't helpful because then I was counting, I was counting how many clicks and I was trying to count how many cymbal hits I did. Right. And <laughs> I was trying to calculate if it was soft or medium soft. I know. Or and medium <laughs> Or medium that's, hard. Dude, that's the other <laughs> hard thing about doing cymbals is that there's so much time between each hit. By the time right. you go to do it again, you kind of like, you kind of forget your muscle memory almost. And I you're like, know. wait, how hard did I hit it? And know. You know. That's exactly. So, so Alex, here's what I did. Um, <laughs> I set, so I had my phone next to me. Of course, everything has to be dead quiet. Like yeah. I saw your one story where you sneezed, you know, which I, yeah. I can, t I can relate to every story that you probably have about this but dude i was um, trying I to hold in that sneeze too because i was like wait i gotta not sneeze till the decay goes a little longer and then i was like all right i think it's good and i sneezed and then it, and then it was like an explosion of two sneezes mm -hmm. it hurt your body so so what i started doing alex um i had my phone next to me do not disturb mode on 
and I have my timer. Yeah. And what I do is I, I start my timer and when I get to a certain amount of seconds, um, I'm sorry, when I get to a, a certain minute marker, I know that I've completed the circuit. Yeah. That was the best way I figured out how to do this. So in other words, if I hit two minutes and there is 10 seconds between each hit, I can calculate how many hits that gives me. And that, that was the easiest way for me to figure this out. Anyway, we could, uh, you're probably listening to this if you're not a drummer and thinking, <laughs> what in the world is this? But this is, <laughs> this is so close to my heart right now because I've been going through this process for three or four years and I've ne- I haven't really talked about it with anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So Alex, you're kind of the first person that I can, you know, misery loves company is, is true <laughs> in this case. Well, and on Dude, the flip is, side, yeah. any, anyone who actually uses samples on their drums in post-production uh, can really appreciate all of the work that goes into this because man is That's it true. nice when a kit comes on and, and there's all these different velocity uh, capabilities with it because it's man it's it's tough when uh, when you're trying to make the final product sound good and the uh, the samples that you like aren't uh, spacious enough you know right so dude yeah it's uh it's been yeah, it's just I, I've I've done it a few times now. Where I, when I was a lot younger, I actually did sampling for a company, and that was my first time like in a studio doing it uh, mm. for someone. And then you know when Anoop and I, and I've taken samples other times here and there, but then Anoop and I decided to do this, and I knew I was going to have to be more extensive. And now, and now it's just something I guess I'm going to have to do you know when every once in a while. And I've I've gotten good at it but it's still it's still just so boring you know yeah um, it is yeah it is but it's but it's going painful. well and i'm stoked as hell with the sounds we've gotten uh so far especially for um so this pack we're doing it's going to be like a lower price point kind of thing cuz i'm just doing it from home you know that room i do all my youtube videos right. in is that's just mm-hmm. my basement right so it's it's basically just a basement that i'm recording in but Anoop and I are both like shocked because we're both just like, dude, this sounds like really good. Like I've recorded here for years and years and it's got like standard height ceilings and it's nothing special, but mm-hmm. it's sound, you know, the room mics, especially they sound really good. I was comparing them to some other, uh, mm. stems I have from studios I've tracked in and it doesn't sound quite like that, but it's pretty, pretty dang good. And, and yeah. we're just like, wow, I don't know why it's turning out this good, but uh, part of the reason I wanted to do it here is because, you know, I've practiced and uh, recorded here my whole life, um, right. literally. And I'm going to be moving here pretty soon, so I, I kind of wanted to do something to, like, immortalize this room in a way. Um, oh, that's cool. Yeah, so that's really kind of the That's really point cool. Of it. That's yeah. are, you, are you excited about moving, uh, um, or are you, or does it stress you out thinking about having to build what you've built there and become familiar with and try to find that somewhere else. Yeah, man, it's uh I'm I think I'm more excited than anything. I'm a very sentimental, emotional kind of person, so like there's a part yeah. of me that's sad in that you know, like every gig I've ever auditioned for, everything I've ever rehearsed for, all the practicing I've ever done in my life, it's all been done in this room and yeah. uh you know, so there's a part of me that's like, "Oh, man, I'm sad to see it go," especially because um it's a long story, but this is my mother's house, and but technically it's not even her house. Like we've rented it my entire life, and yeah, hmm. we have a my mom like knows the landlord. They've known each other since they were kids. 
And she's tried to buy the house from her a bunch of times. Eventually, she gave up on that. But, um, you know, it was like the landlord is is like she owns a lot of property in this area. And uh, this is the house that she grew up in. So this house has sentimental value to her. And she likes Mm -hmm, that my mom, who's a good family friend, like, you know, takes care of it. And and like she likes having my mom be the tenant and that's why we've been here for like 20 plus years but I do remember at some point in my adult life I remember when I got you know old enough to understand really the difference I guess you know late teens or whatever I I remember being like wait mom like we don't own this house like why don't (laughs) we buy a house like why aren't you know and my mom just never wanted to move because you know for starters we also you know we kind of get a deal on it um, because my mom's known her for so long and and all that, but you know, it's it always has been a goal of mine to to own my own home. Not that there's anything wrong with renting, but personally, I just want to. Unless I had a situation like this too, like my mom had. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So, but it does make me a little sad because I think uh, because my mom doesn't fully own the house, I think my mom's married now, and I think she'll end up moving at some point, and then it'll just be like, it won't even be the kind of thing where I can, like, come back and visit it, you know, because it'll right. just be gone, mm-hmm. you know? <laughs> but yeah, uh, I'd say all things considered, uh, and also I just want to say for the record, uh, one thing I've been noticing with looking for homes is, uh, man, it's it's wild, dude. Like, I got so lucky living here, because I live in, like, a town area of of Maryland, and uh, I, I can pretty much play drums any time of the day. Um, yep. especially mm-hmm. I'm here alone a lot. And, uh, so even if it's late at night, but their house is right close by, but like the, the neighbor directly on my left is like, uh, she's deaf and she's been deaf my whole life. And <laughs> Man, yeah, wow, I, dude. Yeah. It's crazy because like, I've been looking at properties in Tennessee and when I went down last time, I brought a snare drum with me. And I would like hit it in the house that I was looking at. And it's like, I was just, I remember my, my realtor, I was just like, this is never going to work. Like it's way too loud here. Like, you know, and it's been so hard to find a place that is, you know, within my budget that I can also drum in. Um, and obviously mm-hmm. that's kind of a, 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 a major Thing on the checklist that it, I have to it's have. It's a major is, factor. Yeah, yeah that's an interesting point that you raised. When I was house searching 10 years ago, that was a main factor for me too. And it must be, you know, most people walk into a house, I think, and they look at the bones of it. You know, they look at the roof, they look at the plumbing, the electrical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's it really made of and, and what work do I have to do to keep it where it is? Does it need updating? All that stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, but I remember thinking 10 years ago, kind of along the same lines as you, like, okay, all of this other stuff is important to me, but probably in the top five things, like location, you know, can I afford it? Uh, do I like the layout? And then can I play drums somewhere in it yeah. or close by? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's just such, a, it's such an interesting factor, I think. More and more, I think that will be a factor for people as COVID is, has forced people to work from home. And then mm-hmm. companies have gotten gotten acclimated to this idea of we don't need to have our entire workforce in an in infrastructure that we're providing for them. Like yeah, they can be absolutely. working from home and we can still be profitable. So I yeah. think more and more people will be looking at buying houses in the same way that you and I 
the type of outlook that we have and that yeah. you're working from this space. The problem with drums is that, well, <laughs> they're really loud. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> they're so loud and it's very difficult to silence or, you know, help mitigate some of that noise for your neighbors. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a great point. You've, it sounds like you've been really fortunate up until this point and I hope you can Dude, find something that, that I've works been for you. Mind-blowingly fortunate and yeah, yeah. it's, uh, <clears throat> I'm confident that I can, but the problem I've been running into is that, so I, I want to move to Tennessee, um, and that's my plan. Uh, yeah. it's just, to be honest, Maryland is, especially this area, is incredibly expensive. And as much as I love mm-hmm. it here, I, I realistically I'll be better off being able to afford something in that area of Tennessee. And um, there have been a couple times now where, you know, I know you're in. You are you both in PA? I'm in Jersey. Oh, okay. Uh, Jersey. About two hours yeah. from that. Yeah. Well, you guys, we're, I mean, we're that's... all probably, yeah, we're probably all equal distances from each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two to three yeah. hours from each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's rad, man. Um, One big triangle. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> man. I, I love this area, to be honest. And mm-hmm. it's, it's uh, a bit bittersweet, the idea of leaving, but it's yeah. more like kind of what I can't afford. And, and also, you know, there are aspects of living, to be honest, there's a big part of me that just wants to, live somewhere else, you know, for a change. And, uh, you know, I play with Whitechapel and they all live down there. And, um, Mm, I like the idea of being closer down around them and and whatnot. So, and I have a lot of other friends in that area too. So it all kind of makes sense, but, um, it actually, one of the guys in the band, his wife is, is my realtor and, um, a house will pop up. Uh, wait, are you guys both there s- still on the phone? Yeah. yeah. yeah oh, okay. For some reason, it looked like uh, my call got ended or something. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we're still with you. <laughs> tight. Yeah, there was a... Uh, what was I saying? Uh, there there have been a couple houses that pop up, and I... Because I, I look online right now, like, every day, and yeah. I hit up my realtor, and I'm like, yo, I'm going to... I'll drive down first thing tomorrow. I want to look at this. And... Before I can even drive down, it it sells. Like it's gone, yeah. it, the market is crazy right now, and mm-hmm. so right now I've actually you guys hit me up at a good time to do this because I've been basically trying to knock out a bunch of stuff uh, in this like couple weeks right now, and and then yeah. I'm gonna basically go down to Tennessee, and this time when I go down, I, I intend on just staying there until I find a place and, mm. and buy it, even if I'm there for like <laughs> you know a month or something. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, I'm excited, though. I'd say to answer your question that prompted this whole rant uh, more than anything, <laughs> I would say I, I am excited. Um, definitely a little anxious about moving, but definitely ready and also excited at the idea of being able to build up my own space to record in and, and have my own home. Yeah. 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 I think awesome. um, the point that I take away from that, Alex, is uh, just knowing myself. A lot of times I get comfortable with something. and. Yeah. I, I don't want to get outside of that comfort zone. That's just that's just say it is drumming, you know. That's let's say it's where I'm set up. Well, my setup right now is really streamlined. I know how it works. I really like it. I love the way it sounds. But um, there's never going to be a whole lot of change that happens in a positive or negative way, I guess, um, if I stay here. So eventually, mm-hmm. when you do move, it it puts a light. It spotlights those areas that 
uh, might be weaknesses, might be strengths, but um, I see that happening for you and that you're moving from a place that you've been playing and practicing and recording your whole life and now you're going somewhere new and you're going to be setting your kit up probably a little bit differently. Uh, the sounds that you're going to be getting are different. The camera angles, just, you know, there's oh, going to yeah, be this sort of, sort of evolution for you and I think it'll yeah. be a really good thing. Um, it's going to push you. It, it, just talking about it kind of makes me kind of stresses me out just because I think of the <laughs> amount of work that I put into my studio, yeah. you know, and, 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 and having to transport it all and set it all back up again. But, but it, it, it always works out. And, um, I applaud you for, for taking that move. I think it's really, it's going to be great for you. Well, thank you yeah. kindly, man. So. And yeah, dude. And I, to that note, it's, I, I feel that way in a lot of aspects of life, honestly, just like, yeah, you, you know, uh, I mean, there are times a lot where what, I say that about music. I've talked about it before, but like in general, the music industry and touring and stuff has, has definitely improved me as a human because it it has forced me to do things that I'm really not comfortable with. And, and every time I have like a, a gig or I've had a new gig and at this point, you know, I've been in and out of a lot of bands and played with different people. And there's been an, an amount of anxiety that's come along with all of those experiences right. and yeah um some more than others but there have definitely been some where especially when i was younger i was so freaked out um just to to do anything but then you you do it and i don't know man it's it's like it makes you realize you're you know capable of more than you think you are and yeah that's pretty crazy like you know that that is a very motivating thing in and of itself is, is just like pushing yourself out, out of your comfort zone and expanding your comfort mm. zone. And I've definitely uh, experienced that a lot, um, because of music. And, hmm. uh, and then I, you kind of come to, you get to a point where you almost sort of embrace that and, and you look for more things like that to push you, you know, yeah, um, yeah. Em- emotionally or otherwise. So yeah, man, I, I'd say more than anything, I'm excited and I appreciate the kind words, Matt. Absolutely. I, for anyone that's listening, that's maybe not as familiar with you as, as we are. Um, and admittedly, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, but first a point I toured with you when you were playing drums for good tiger, right? Yeah. Okay. So that was my first time meeting you and seeing you play. Um, and I didn't, I didn't know that you were a death metal drummer at first. (laughs) I just thought you were a rock drummer because you're playing for for good tiger. Um, Heck yeah. I, I could tell that you could play other genres because when, <laughs> when I would be backstage for like, you know, you're a house of blues and you're going to get your, your food, um, you get your plate, you go through catering, you go to sit down and you would be sitting in, in a corner somewhere with your practice pad <laughs> set up, right? You'd yeah. be sitting there with your metronome and typically my metronome, um, top speed is like 170 180 i don't think i ever heard that on the in the initial minute of your practice time (laughs) it it was like unless you were like doubling it um but you would practice this double bass that was i've been playing metal for a long time i've heard a lot of people warming up i've warmed up a lot i've heard a lot of double bass i play a lot of double bass i've never heard anything as consistent and um and, and someone so consistent actually in their practicing. So that was my, my first experience with you was like Alex, the rock drummer on stage at house of blues, Dallas, and then 
Alex backstage, the death metal drummer with ridiculously fast <laughs> feet, right? So, so tell us a little bit about like, how did you get to the point where you were playing in Good Tiger? What did you do before that? And then you said you're playing for Whitechapel now. So obviously you're back in the death metal world again. Yeah. To an extent, like, I guess I sort of am. Um, and it's, and for starters, I, I want to say, <laughs> dude, I have this, like, I think I've fabricated this memory to an extent, but I have this memory <laughs> of, of you on tour where I'm doing my warm up and like, I just see your head pop through the door. Cause you hear me <laughs> warming up and you just have this big, like smile where you're like, ah, like, you know, you're kind of like, you're just like, it's probably me is. and Blake. Like, me and Blake yeah, dude, are just like, Dude. I remember, yeah, I just remember you being like, the first time you came into the room when I was like doing my warm up, you were so like, whoa, like, <laughs> I don't know. So I just always imagine you just like being like, oh, there he is, being a crazy person. And uh, yeah, dude, that was fun, man. And Adam Gray was on that tour too, man. And that was uh, yeah, Adam Gray was teching. Blake Richardson, of course, BT Bam's drummer. Uh, I mean, dude, that yeah. was a drum clinic tour, as far as dude, I'm concerned. I really enjoyed that tour. That was a uh, I had a lot of fun on that tour. I was in a really good mental headspace on that whole tour. And um, yeah. my friend Bo was with us. Uh, he was our yeah. merch guy, and he was That's my right. friend from home. Yeah. That's right. And that was, like, the only tour he's ever done, really. So, um, Oh, geez. Yeah, he wasn't, like, a touring guy. He was just a friend of mine from home, and uh, I was really stoked for him to come out, and he had a good time. And He was great. Um, yeah, man. It was, uh, it, was a really, it was a really nice entire experience, honestly. Yes, um, it was. That's cool. And, yeah, dude, like, well, I guess – to anyone that has no idea like i i kind of came up playing extreme metal but i was also really into other stuff i always have been into more rock oriented post rock kind of drumming as well and uh i was playing in more extreme metal bands and i had a couple pretty bad experiences uh damn that actually reminds me matt um <laughs> there was a that tour we did. Uh, it was supposed to be a four band package, and the band I yep. used to play in dropped off like like a day or two oh, before. Oh, that's right. And, and it and became it a three band bill. Dude, you have no idea how happy I was about that because I and obviously like I don't want to <laughs> talk tons of shit or anything like that. But um, and especially now, it's been so long. I'm kind of like yeah, you know, kind of past it's water everything. Under the bridge. But, yeah, my the band I was playing in before that, it just wasn't the most healthy experience, and I inevitably quit. And right, um, mm. and you know there was there's kind of reason for it that I won't go into detail on, but you know one of the guys in the band had a, a drug problem, and the only reason I even feel comfortable saying that much now is because he's opened up about it at different times online, so it's kind of yeah. out there, you know. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but he's you know. Through it and- yeah. yeah, at this point, you know, I don't wish him any ill will. I just, at the time, I had to get out of an unhealthy situation, but there was definitely some anger, you know, at the time. And mm-hmm. when I found out we were on that tour and that they were on it too, I was like, oh, man. And, <laughs> but then literally the day we were driving to the first show, like on the drive, one of the guys in the band looks at me and I think it was Dez and he's like, dude, don't get too excited but apparently the faceless is dropping off the tour. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> and Dez you know, is like, calm down, put your yeah. seatbelt on, keep your seatbelt <laughs> like, on. They obviously all knew, you know, like the experience yeah. I'd been through and stuff. And, um, you know, in hindsight, I guess it sucks for all the fans that wanted to see them too. But, 
Um, it really worked out for for Good Tiger because we were on this bill with, you know, it went from being a four band package that we were opening to a three band package, you know, and yep. it was basically just us, you know, being almost direct support for the two co headliners, you know, you all and right. mm-hmm. between the Barrett and me and. I think we also got like the Faceless's food rider budget or something <laughs> like so it all just like worked out really well for us um I I totally forgot about that but yeah lots like, of red bulls to go around <laughs> dude oh yeah man there was a, <laughs> red bulls and bananas there were a lot of bananas on, we had like honey on our rider and and at one point I was like why are we getting this much honey like I'm not just yeah. going to like leave it or throw it away every day I ended up like having a bag where I would just take honey a every bag day of it was honey. on a rider. And I came home at the end of the tour, and I was like, here, Mom, here's like 20, you know, 25 <laughs> things of honey. Um, now you never have to buy honey again. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, wow, El- this is, this is yeah. interesting that you bring me honey back from tour. I mean, I had nightmares about you being a musician in a rock band, but now I see it's, it's all good. Honey. Yeah, everything's going to be fine. You get free honey sometimes. Um, yeah, dude. But I guess, so after the Faceless and a couple other experiences, I was kind of like, I don't know. I, I just made a very conscious decision that I wanted to go kind of in a different direction. And yeah. um, I knew the guys uh, that I ended up being in Good Tiger with, and they asked me about doing that band. And, you know, at first I was a little bit reluctant. Like, I wasn't really sure uh, yeah. But ultimately, what you know made the choice was that I really liked all of those guys as human beings, and I knew them, and trusted them, and I liked the music too. And I was like, all right, so you know, I did yeah. it, and ultimately, like, it kind of didn't grow how we had hoped. And then everyone kind of ended up having a different towards the end, anyway. Kind of wasn't sure what direction they wanted to take things in. And we all kind of had a different idea on that. Like everyone else was kind of content with, you know, letting it be whatever it was, even if it didn't grow more. Um, and for me, I was, I was kind of like, I was getting other offers to, to take gigs that were good paying gigs. And I was turning Mm -hmm. them down to continue going out for, yeah. Uh, nothing. And and while I would have loved to have done that in a perfect world, ultimately it was uh, it kind of got to a point there when I was, you know, getting further into my 20s where I was like, I can't keep turning down work, you know, that pays well to go out and lose money on tour. Like, I just don't know if I can do that. And um, mm. I was kind of one of the only I was the only guy in the band that, you know, they all kind of had other sources of income. Um, when they weren't touring and I had really put all my eggs into the basket of like performing, you know, um, and they were totally supportive and haven't ever been anything but supportive. They're all good guys and they got it. They weren't like angry or anything. Um, but yeah, man. And, uh, in terms of like returning kind of to death metal or extreme (laughs) metal, I was, uh, you know, I didn't really have any expectation, uh, for, you know, what band I might end up playing in or anything like that. And, uh, you know, it's funny with Whitechapel because they had actually, I had almost filled in for them a couple of times uh, at different points in the last, like, 10 years. And, and like, basically this time I knew that they had a fill-in, and I in my head I was like, I wonder if he's full-time. And I actually hit up Zach Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the guitarists who I know or knew at the time, you know, not super well, but I've, I knew all of them here and there. And 
I was like, hey, dude, uh, I don't know if that guy that's playing with y'all is like your full time guy, but I just wanted to say like, uh, you know, I'm like free now. If you guys ever need a fill in, I'd love to do <laughs> yeah. it. And uh, cool. Yeah, they were just like, hell yeah, basically. And, uh, you know, I ended up working with them shortly thereafter. And uh, yeah. to be completely honest, Matt, I, I think Whitechapel is the only band, you know, for starters, I don't know if you've kept up with them recently, but they have a lot more like ballady, clean singing stuff here and there too. It's still very dark, but... I have actually. I So so we toured with Whitechapel when they had, had their drummer Ernie playing with them. Yeah. And um, and I, I was impressed at, at his ability um, to play... That that world is is sort of foreign to me, which is strange because I play metal. But there are so many different s- subsets and sub subsets Absolutely. of, of yeah. metal <laughs> that it was just like a different way of playing drums. Um, and so I I would hang out with Ernie and watch him play on the tour. And then um, I came to find out that he was no longer in the band, and you were. And Whitechapel, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard of Whitechapel and you like more extreme music you need to listen to Whitechapel. yeah they are so sick they are they are doing it they are doing that style better than most bands i think um i don't listen to them often but but when i do it i'm just always impressed it's like man these guys mm-hmm. are so good so proficient and i like i like their songs um and i i'm sorry i forget the singer i, f- I forget the vocalist's name Oh, in um, in, uh, in Whitechapel, Phil. Phil. Phil is not only hilarious. Uh, he <laughs> Phil, is. He's a funny Phil, guy. Phil is incredible, incredibly <laughs> funny. Um, him and JB would just laugh backstage like all night about fart jokes and. Oh yeah, well, he's big into fart everything. jokes. <laughs> he's he's very good at making people laugh, but when he gets on stage, it is it is a sight to be seen how mm. that dude can scream. Yeah, dude, Phil is uh wow. He's really 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 good. Um he's definitely really good. One of my favorite if not my favorite um, you know, metal vocalists and uh Me too, especially dude. that style. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's what I was going to say is honestly like you know, I think in terms of so thankfully they a lot of the newer material is uh, and even some of the old material too is is yeah. not quite as taxing physically as other stuff I've done. Right. Um, but truth be told, like I think they are the only band that I was willing to like put my body and mind through anything that physically demanding again for mm-hmm. because I huh. I've always liked their music and and I was like okay if I am gonna do that shit again you know that extreme yeah. stuff I I'll do it <laughs> I'll do it for them. Um, right. <laughs> and <laughs> I have you. been, yeah, and I've been happy to do so because it's a gig I really like. Um, I really, really love all of them as people. They're good dudes. And uh, it's just been a lot of fun, man. Um, everything about it's been great. And I just, a couple months back, uh, not even a couple months, it was like right before, I guess, yeah, a couple months because it was uh, December, early December. We I tracked drums for their new album, and uh, that's the first okay. album of theirs that I've played on. I mean, you know, technically I, I'm not like, uh, technically I'm like a hired gun for them. Right. And uh, it may become more permanent, but at, at the same time, like, I'm kind of their dude for now, and I've always kind of been, I've kind of been fine with that too. I kind of like... 
you know, taken my time. I've been in and out of enough bands where I'm in no rush to like, you know, say I'm full time with a band on paper, you know, like it's just yeah. to me, it's not that big of a deal. I'm I'm kind of down to just let things happen. And whenever if, you know, if I've been playing with them for years and they're like, all right, we should talk about, you know, making this more of a legal full time thing or whatever, you know, then that's one thing. But I also don't mind. Yeah. Uh, the hired gun thing and uh, mm-hmm. knowing like having a rate and that kind of thing. And, you know, so but either way, like we kind of we know that I'm like their dude and, uh, you know, they wanted me to do the album, too. And uh, we kind of treated that the same way as like a session kind of. And uh, in terms of like, you know, how I'm paid for it and that kind of thing. And uh, but I was yeah. super, super happy. I mean, you know, I say that we did that on paper, but it was still very I was still very involved in terms of what I contributed and writing with them. I even went down a couple times um, to Tennessee just to work on stuff together in a room. Um, not in a room, uh, ironically, not playing drums in a room, but we would literally just be in Zach's house, like programming parts. Right. <laughs> and like, wow. it's yeah. so funny that that's like how it's gotten to like, that's oh yeah, how yeah, it works we, now. we got together to work on music. Oh no, we weren't actually playing music. Uh, I was just, you know, programming ideas and then, um, but yeah. I'll figure like, out how to play it later by yeah. looking at the screen and seeing what we wrote. Right. Yeah, pretty much, man. Um, but yeah, dude, I I'm super stoked on how it turned out. I can't wait nice. for people to hear the album. So I can't yeah. wait too. Do you do you have a timeline as to when that might be? Or are you still waiting to see? I don't really know right now, honestly. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, I don't. I I would. I'm not sure I'm allowed to, but I would tell you if I if I did know. But I <laughs> I don't even right. know, man. With COVID <laughs> and sure. not being sure of touring, and I just yeah. have no idea what the game plan is right yeah. now. So yeah. yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Dude, I miss So you touched on, on something interesting. Yeah, oh, yeah, go ahead. Yes. Um, you touched on something interesting for a sec about sitting in a room and uh, just programming drums, not even playing. Uh, and it made me think, so one thing that I love uh, about you and your playing is that you're not just great at writing drums, but you also transcribe other drummers' songs mm. for them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's something that we've never touched on, I don't think, on any episode. No. On, a, on this drumming podcast, we've never really jumped into transcribing. So I'm curious to know like about your process, what goes into transcribing a song, uh, especially a song that you didn't even write. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's like, I guess, I guess to some people it seems like really daunting. To me, I guess at this point, it's like, it's just par for the course. Like I, I don't even think about it, but um, it depends on what it is uh, entirely. But if I if all I have, you know, say I want to transcribe a song just to learn, you know, like I don't even it's not even for, you know, someone else specifically. It's just an artist I like and I want to learn one of their songs or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. Even if I just have the album file, I basically drop that into Pro Tools and find, you know, the first downbeat, cut it there and uh figure out the tempo. I mean, if it's a metal song, like a modern metal song, chances are it was done to a click and um, all that. Although I I have also, and this all leads into my process, I I promise I'm not like just trying to talk about Pro Tools some more. Um, (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) We love talking about Pro Tools. Let's talk about it. I, I do like it. I do like talking about Pro Tools. But Tell me some yeah. uh, some hotkeys. I want to know a new oh, one. Oh, man. Well, I mean, I use Option Shift 3 a lot to consolidate regions, you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But yeah, dude, it's uh. So I do that, and I'm I'm basically, <laughs> dude, I love it. That's funny. Um, I, I basically the first thing I do before I even start transcribing is I I tempo and time signature map everything in Pro Tools before I even start working in yeah. the software I use to transcribe. And the reason I do that is uh, because for one, you know, it's it's easiest to be able to see, you know, the waveform of even like an album file up against the grid if I'm trying to figure something out. A lot of the time mm-hmm. nowadays, mm-hmm. I don't, it's not really, you know, I remember being younger and, and being like, what is that? And then coming to the realization that like, oh, it's a triplet or it's this and it goes into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and having the grid visual, you know, against like the wave file of the audio, even if it's just an album file, was helpful. I, at this stage, I don't really, I don't really have that same issue. Not to sound like, oh yeah, I'm sick, you know, but I, I just, <laughs> I just am able to tell what's going on a lot quickly, yeah. uh, a lot more quickly yeah, yeah. Um, from experience, I guess. And um, but still, I, I still drop it in and do that. And even if a song isn't like a modern metal song that's done to a click or something, uh, I can still tempo map stuff. It can be very tedious if it's, you know, not done to a click. Like I've done, uh, uh, actually just recently I did this YouTube video I wanted to do forever and I basically took the theme music from a bunch of different, I haven't posted it yet, but I did record it. I took the theme music from a bunch of shows I liked and like Uh edited them together into like this three and a half minute clip and they all just play into each other and I composed drums for it and uh, learned it and it's, so it starts off with like one of my favorite animated shows ever, which is Archer. And it goes in nice. from Archer to Rick and Morty to South Park and like a bunch of others. <laughs> oh, um, I can't wait to see incredible. this. Dude, it's, yeah, <laughs> I just edited the video together. So uh, I, uh, I'm i going to post it probably in the next week. Um, but yeah, dude, a couple of those like definitely weren't done to a click. And right. <laughs> I, I remember being like, oh shit. Like one of them has, I mean, dude, the, the tempo map I ended up making for Archer is insane looking. It's like there's tempo, there's super subtle tempo changes everywhere. And I, I don't even know, man, like I've gotten good at that stuff too. Sometimes trying to decipher like, yeah. Okay. Is it just that it's like a 0.5 BPM thing or blah, 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 you know, but really there's, I also have come to find that I guess, you know, between different digital audio workspaces that the time engine or the algorithm, whatever does that can be a little bit different. So like if they recorded it, you know, in like Ableton or logic, it might, I don't know, there might just be some weird thing where it's not translating either way. That's true. That's a good point. Hmm. Yeah. Either way, I will just spend whatever time necessary to, to make a tempo map uh, that works for it. Um, And where, you know, the very clearly that the transients are, are all, close to or on a grid um yeah and then i time signature map it as well which just again saves time when i'm transcribing because then if i get to something that's in an odd time i don't have to be like what is that and try to figure it out it's like i've already done it i can Mm -hmm. just focus on the transcribing and then Mm -hmm. once i have all that done i uh, i i transcribe in guitar pro um i still use guitar pro 5 which is like 10 years old or more um, mm-hmm. but I also have guitar pro seven, um, and that's great too. And, uh, yeah, man, I basically just listen through and switch between pro tools and guitar pro a lot. Uh, the other reason I like doing it in pro tools is because, um, you know, if you do things like uh, here, here you go, Matt, here's another one. Uh, shift space bars plays anything at half speed. Did not know just, that. 
Yeah. So if you're trying to figure something out or you need to listen more clearly, you just hold shift and hit play and it plays oh, the way you it want has the vocalist to, to sound funny. Yeah, yeah exactly. It definitely <laughs> makes the vocalist sound funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I've gotten to a point where I'm I'm very efficient at, you know, it's a lot, it's actually much easier for me to transcribe someone else's drumming than it is for me to transcribe, you know, parts that I'm I'm writing because when I'm writing it's like also creative yeah. and I'm I'm thinking of stuff. Right. If I'm right, transcribing right. someone else's drumming it can kind of just be done note for note and I just write it out. Um Right. Although I take a different approach slightly too like when I transcribed like Blake's book from BT Bam I you know for his it's like okay I came up with like a key where I was like all right well these note heads are going to be these things on his kit yada yada yada. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But then if I'm also transcribing something f- that someone else wrote, but I'm transcribing it to learn myself on my kit, then I might transcribe it slightly differently where I might uh, change certain subtleties in my transcribing to make sense to me like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to change this fill ever so slightly because this would make more sense on my setup. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. I'm going to notate it that way. Uh, so that way when I print it out and start working it on the kit, I know, you know, what's going on. And so it kind of mm-hmm. depends on what I'm doing it for, too. I'll take, like, a slightly different approach. Um, but that's kind of the gist of it. It's uh, I've, I've talked about it a little bit before with people or during lessons, and people are like, oh, man, that sounds crazy. It sounds like so much work. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> it kind of is, but it's one of those things where the more you do it, uh, it just seems less and less daunting you know yeah. um yeah to me it's it's very efficient in terms of a way of learning music um hmm. yeah i don't know that's pretty much it there, yeah, there's my rant about wild. transcribing do you do you think yeah. that um so we work with sheet happens yeah yeah are you familiar with them mm-hmm. okay so uh i have drum books through them and they basically say luke who's the owner um yeah plays yeah, I in know. protest the hero he'll say something like do you want to do you want us to transcribe Thrill Seeker, which is our, our first album? I'll say, sure. So then, I don't know, a couple of weeks or a couple of months later, I get an email and it's like, here it is. You want to look it over? Um, what what do you think <laughs> just uh, um, without really knowing, uh, what what is the process like for most other people who are doing this? Is there an automated way of, of doing it or is it just a tedious process that you become more and more efficient at over time? Yeah, the latter, I think. Um, I know that those guys pretty much go through the same thing, you know? They're just basically working through it, you know? Um, And I actually almost did some books through Sheet Happens as well, and then basically, and I don't want to, I'm not, please no one interpret this as saying anything negative about them because I really respect them, but I guess at some point I just was looking at, you know, what they're, cut is percentage wise and what they you know do for the artist and I was kind of like in my head I was like man you know right. I do the I if I can do the transcribing right. at least for my own books all I really need to do is like figure out how to turn this into a book a physical mm-hmm. book right. um uh-huh. so instead of going through them I just decided to try it on my own and um oh that's awesome I yeah, I started working in like Adobe InDesign and figured out how to print, and um, so now like I don't I don't do it that often for other people. Uh, I've done it a few times, like I did it for Blake, 
twice. I've done a couple books for Matt Halpern, a um, couple others, but for the most part, I wanted wanted it as a skill set just for myself, and um, yeah, so so I could just sell you know my books on my website or through a printing company online and and completely make the money myself you know not have to mm-hmm. split it with yeah. a company and um and I again I mean no disrespect to them I just kind of realized I already had most of the skill set so if I could you know do a little bit more I I wouldn't need to have someone else do it um right yeah yeah and yeah, so I, I enjoy it. And when I've offered it, you know, in the last couple people I transcribed books for, like I think Blake's last book, I kind of offered it as a as an all encompassing service where service. you know I know okay. yeah I kind of transcribed it and then I did the book layout, um, yeah. But I, I it's not something like I I, I don't want to uh, make a full blown business out of it like Sheet Happens has. Um, yeah. Especially yeah. because I can really only do it for drums. I can't like, <laughs> I can't <Right>. like transcribe, <laughs> you know, guitar, you know, like they can. And yeah, yeah. Uh, I just, so I don't, yeah, I, go I, ahead. I think this brings up, this brings up something that's been a recurring theme on here, I think, Tim. Um, so, mm-hmm. so Alex, we have guests on every once in a while um, and we've, we, this has come up a couple times. It's just made me think of something in your case. Um, you are a bit of a renaissance man. Uh, Dang, and a, that's, a lot of... That, I don't know what you mean by that, but thank you. Oh, really? Okay. So <laughs> renaissance oh, wait, no, man... I know what you mean. I just like... I don't know. I wasn't expecting it. It's a nice compliment. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. You. So, so I, I think that more and more musicians are having to become renaissance men yeah. and women mm-hmm. to survive. And, and I hadn't really thought about it up until this point, but um, there's something to be said about a drummer who's just a drummer, just practicing, just recording just performing and back when I started playing and I, I don't know Tim if you can relate to this or Alex I'd be anxious to to see what you have to say about this but back when I was playing initially in my barn starting the band that is yeah. all I did like social media mm-hmm. was not a thing to think about um, creating business you know ventures in other areas connected to music wasn't something I was thinking about it was like I had drums yeah. and I had my band and I put every uh, single drop of <laughs> sweat into this one thing to get mm-hmm. better at this one thing sure there were other factors in my life college or, or you know at the time high school and then college and working a landscaping job and farming and all of those definitely in the same way at times frustrated me because it sure. I felt mm-hmm. like they were pulling me away from the thing that I really wanted to do the most of all. And so back to my original point about this, about you being a Renaissance man, um, your double bass course is incredible. Um, it requires 30 minutes of double bass. You start with tier one and you go down through six tiers and you're practicing for five minutes at a time. It's a, it is a commitment of time and energy to do what you can do in extreme metal playing. My question for you is, how do you balance all of the things that you're doing and this main thing, if it is still the main thing, which is mm-hmm. your drumming, like the thing that started all of these other things in your life. Do you ever get frustrated or or annoyed that you're involved in other, you know, ventures in music? that require you to take time away from playing? Yeah. Dude, that's a great question, actually. Um, 
Yeah, man, I I do actually get frustrated yeah, sometimes. I do too. I, that, that's kind of why I ask. I'm like, I, yeah, I, yeah <laughs> dude, I I get frustrated with any number of things that you know. I feel like I've been feeling like I was saying earlier. I've been feeling it lately, sampling drums for this thing because I'm just sitting there sampling and I'm like, God, this is so boring. But right. it's you know, it's for like this better you know long term cause and stuff. But um. Yeah, man, I, I definitely have experienced that a lot. And one thing that's really bothered me, you know, it didn't used to bother me as much, but I don't know, something happened yeah. during COVID in 2020 where all of a sudden I was like, shit, man, like I don't, you know, having, I, I didn't really feel like posting on social media as much, but then I was like, oh man, I like have to post sort of like, you know, I, I I personally see a decrease in online sales and stuff when I'm not engaging online, and mm-hmm. um, yeah. that's stressful, especially because now I have to you know make a an, a living, and mm-hmm. you know, so I, it's like you have to be aware of some of that stuff, and um, I, I think I'll come around again with that specifically where I I kind of just enjoy it more again um but i guess there was a lot of time during 2020 where i was kind of like not in the great headspace or just seeing stuff that was going on in the world and being like so like yeah. oh my god you know i i don't want to pay attention to this um i don't want to yeah. be on social media and that aspect of things you know there and feeling like i kind of have to do this other thing that really i only ever did initially because of drums it you know and now right. i don't really feel like doing it but i have to or whatever that's been very frustrating. Um, I would say one thing, you know, I think for me personally, what I pretty much always, and I'd say I've been this way, dude, like as long as I can remember really, is is that the playing always kind of takes precedent. Like I do take mm-hmm. days off here and there, uh, but for the most part, pretty much every day I play drums even if it's not, you know, improving massively, I still will play on the kit, you know, for an hour and a half, two hours. And, you know, even if it all it is is just warming up and, you know, I do my same warm up every day. Um, yeah. These days I'll watch like an, a 30 minute episode of something while I'm doing it, um, which is kind of enjoyable, to be honest. I, I always look forward to my warm up because at this point, you know, I, you remember on tour, I can. I've done it the same way for so long I can, you know, have a conversation while doing it. So I can, right. if yeah. I have something on in the background, I can, you know, keep the volume low and have subtitles on and, you know, basically enjoy a show while warming up. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's wild. So I do that, you know, I kind of always look forward to that. And then I move to the kit and uh, I, I pretty much always, e- even if all it is, is just warming up and rehearsing, you know, material for a band like Whitechapel material or... Uh, whatever it is, even if I'm not actually um, striving it that day, any given day, to to improve my ability or get better at anything in particular, I'm at least maintaining it and you know, kind of keeping it on a certain level. And that always, you know, I've kind of made it a point. You know, I'm not sure it was always even conscious initially, but I've always made it a point for to at the very least do that. So it's like, okay, if I have all this other stuff, I have to do that I don't even feel like necessarily, you know, what's important to me is in there. It's also worth mentioning that there might be days where I don't even feel like drumming that much, but right. I, I'm always like, mm-hmm. I know that big picture 
that's what I want to do, and I want to be able to to do the things that I've always been able to do or worked to to do, like the speed stuff. So you know, always making a point to commit that that amount of time at least a day to the craft itself, yeah. um, almost no matter what. You know, and then if I if yeah. I do that, then you know if I have to do a million other things that day or whatever. Um, or not a million, but you know, if I have other priorities I have to to do and spend more time on, um, I can kind of do so while knowing still that I did something to to maintain my playing and to kind of get that drum fix. And um, okay, that's yeah. exactly that's exactly what I was digging for. That resonates mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. And the bottom line for me is, um, have you ever heard of this analogy of um, if your house is in order? and you leave your house in the morning for work and everything goes wrong out in the work world, out in the real world, you're okay because you know you come home to a house that's intact. Mm -hmm. But if your house is a mess and it's in a state of disarray and your relationships are screwed up and broken, you go out into the world, you get the most amount out of it. You get promoted, everything goes well and yet there's a part of you that's still lacking. That for me is drumming. My home yep. is drumming, and if 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 I am playing and practicing and engaging with my kit without any other distractions, the day can go horribly wrong, and I'm I'm not all that disappointed in it. Dude, me too. Isn't that I, weird? Uh, dude, I, I relate it's to wild. that so hard, though, man. Because like, <laughs> you know, if I if I have like shit I'm stressed out about, but I had a really good drum day. I'm like, I'm still yeah. like, yeah, it was a pretty good day though. You know? <laughs> Walking <laughs> exactly. in sunshine. <laughs> yeah. Like that is, I, I definitely relate to that. And, and you know, this is like a little bit different, but I, I read this a really long time ago and it kind of always stuck with me and I was like, man, that's kind of true. Um, but similarly, like every day when I wake up, the very first thing I do is make my bed. Like I don't even, mm-hmm. I don't do anything. I, I make my bed. Let me also preface that by saying that I make my bed very loosely, meaning I'm not like, all right, let's tuck in these covers and put these pillows on. Like, it's basically, I don't even, I don't like sleeping with a sheet, so I just sleep with a comforter, and I just, you know, don't worry, I clean it periodically. I know that's why people use sheets. I just don't like sheets. Um, So I literally just, like, pull the comforter up and and just kind of make it look nice, and that's making my bed. But it's the first thing I do every day, and I remember reading online, like, I have no idea how true this is, but somebody was saying, you know, if the first thing you do in a given day is make your bed, you're going to have a, a more positive, productive day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was always kind of like, I don't know why that is, but it's true. Like when I was younger, I used to not make my bed. And keep in mind, like, you know, the room I sleep in is also like the area where I drum. That's it's like a big this whole big room, basically. And mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. because it's my workspace, too, I needed to be like organized and, you know, have a uh, some kind of cleanliness to it, I guess. And, um, mm-hmm. I always feel like it does kind of make me more productive to, to do that first thing in the morning. And, uh, similarly to drums, it's just one of those things where it's like, if you just commit to doing this, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it, it is, you know, for, in our case, it's the drumming thing, you know, it, it kind of like mm-hmm. keeps you at a, a set level, you know, and it allows you to kind of deal with everything else 
past that. And I, mm-hmm. I know making your bed yeah. is a little bit different, but it was just kind of the same idea of like, yeah, you know, doing something consistently and, and setting yourself up kind of to, to be in a good position for everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know if that yeah. made sense with the making your bed reference, but there it is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah it's, That's I awesome. think is, is that, um, it's could be either the uh, sergeant who gave a, a speech at a college graduation commencement speech um, or Jordan Peterson but I, I've I've heard of that before and it's it, it it is true I didn't used to make my bed now I do and you're checking something off of a list so when you get to the next That's thing it. you could yeah. sit down and say I don't really feel like doing that but you just did something <laughs> so you might as well do another thing it's like yeah. uh, it just gets you I was just momentum. about to say that yeah yeah Yep, I was just about to say that. There's something so rewarding about having a list and checking something off. Yeah. Like Dude, I love that. The, uh, the feeling of accomplishment is, for me, what gets me through the day. It's like, I, I have a bad day when I didn't get a single thing done that I intended right. to do at the beginning of the day. That's a bad day for me. Same, but if, same. If I did, like, mo- if I hit most of that list, even 80% of that list, I'm feeling great. Hell yeah. I'm feeling really good. That's Dude, true. Dude, I, I relate to that too, man, because I definitely, you know, it was something I struggled with at times on tour. It's been a lot better with Whitechapel, to be honest, because it's the first gig I've had really where uh, we tour on a bus and stuff, and I, I'd never really, you know, man, it opens up a lot of doors to be able to be on a bus and actually get real sleep and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so nice. But, oh, dude, it's unbelievable. It's like so the first, nice. Like, the first <laughs> tour I did with Whitechapel, I was like, this is fucking, I mean, I'd been on a bus like once before. I was just like, this is crazy, dude. Like, like I just, I can sleep every night. I, there's food. There's like a bathroom. There's food. You know, like the food, the food thing's amazing. You go to the fridge, you're driving down, you know, route 70 and you make yourself a sandwich after the show. And it's like, I know this is, this is all I can do this for a while. Dude, it's, yeah, man, it, it definitely allowed me to like, be like, okay, you know what? I can, I can, I can do this. Yeah. Like, cause I, I'm always a, I, I've always been a person that likes routine of some kind. And, you know, I, I think I do better with a, a more consistent routine. And the hard thing about touring in a van is that it's like, there's so many variables aside from just like the complete mm-hmm. lack of sleep and privacy and everything else that comes along with it. It's, you know, there's always going to be variables of like, all right, who's driving tonight? Who's doing X, Y, and Z? Am I going to get any sleep? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. You know, and I, I hate that. It's so inconsistent. Um, (laughs) you know, and for a long time, I'll be totally honest and I've had no problem admitting this in the past, even though, uh, you know, friends of mine that also tour in vans and stuff, give me a hard time about it. And they're like, ah, you know, but I, I don't think I would ever, I don't want to say never, I would tour in a van again, but like I had kind of got to a point before I got the Whitechapel gig where I was kind of like, okay, I, to me, I don't think I want to tour anymore unless I can do it in a more comfortable setting. And that's not saying like, oh, look at me. I'm so cool. I toured a bus. It's nothing like that at all. Like, it's Mm -hmm. just like for me personally, I think I've maxed myself out on this. I don't, I don't want to do it anymore Mm -hmm. unless I can do it it's not worth the the toll of of mentally and physically being yeah. that run down mm-hmm. you yeah. know it, i was just at that point at it and i very consciously said that to myself and stuck by it and uh yeah man and and i just i really enjoy not to go off on a huge long side tangent but i just enjoy 
the consistency and the routine of, of being on tour in a bus and, uh, it makes me feel like I actually am cut out for touring because it's so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I th- I think it kind of hits on what, what you guys talked about like just a little little while ago. Whereas you know you um, are able to focus on what you actually want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know the the bus kind of enables you to actually get the rest that you need to perform at your optimal. Uh, point and uh you know the the van like you said there's so many variables you know sleep eating consistently Mm -hmm. you know uh who's driving like (laughs) it's like the bus is just like okay this is my life in between each show and it's consistent and i can create a routine and i can focus on what i need to do which is play drums Mm -hmm. exactly that's right yeah that's a good point i uh i think i think um I, I have one more question for you, and I think maybe we can get to inner circle questions if that's all right with you, Alex. Yeah. Sure. Okay, cool. So I, I met your sister at a show we played in New York City. Oh, um, yeah. I totally forgot uh, about that. I, th- I think Blake's wife was out as well. Um, but anyway, I was thinking about this episode. I was thinking about you. It's been a long time since I've seen you or talked to you. Um, and we got to hear a little bit about your family. But um, for those that are listening that maybe have had a tough year, you know, with COVID grounding them and uh, maybe they're not in the music industry, but it's changed It's changed the world as we know it and how we interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, first, what was it like for you? Uh, has, it, has it been difficult? And, and second of all, how have you, have you found any ways to, um, to grow or flourish or overcome the challenges that COVID that COVID has presented uh, in your life in the past year and has, has family maybe been a part of that, bringing up your sister? Yeah, man. Um, well, it's been a, a lot of ups and downs for me personally. I, as someone that like, you know, I mean, when I did Drumeo almost exactly a year ago, actually, I was out mm-hmm. there. I was out there at the start of COVID. Like it, uh, mm basically the day I was supposed to fly there to do Drumeo was the day that they closed all travel to Europe. And Oh, seriously? Yeah, and I remember wow. I called them and I was like, should I even come out there right now? This seems like it's getting pretty serious. And they were like, oh, yeah, come on out. And I was like, okay. And I got on a plane early that morning and flew to Vancouver. And by the time I landed, they were like, we shouldn't have had you come out here right now. It's getting way Seriously? Bad. Um yeah, so the whole time I was there was a little bit stressful, actually, because, you know, the first day I got there, you know, Drumeo, it's like they have like 30 or 40 employees. It's this big facility. By the second day, mm-hmm. it was down to just three. It was like bare minimum. They were, you know, already doing that. And uh, they were kind of monitoring things the whole time, looking to, to figure out whether or not they should put me on a flight home right away. And wow. ultimately, I stayed for the whole few days and flew home, which was the most lovely flight home. I've got to admit, there was no one on those planes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, dude, did you it was film kind of funny. your your content? You got yeah. It all so that's what that's what okay. I was gonna say is that uh, my entire Drumeo lesson, which is on YouTube now, uh, was about mental health and uh, and like how uh-huh. music's treated me f- with that and and what it's done for me and and that whole thing. And I feel like it kind of came at a good time because. Um, they put it on YouTube, you know, when people were, uh, being stuck at home during, you know, that whole thing when it was first starting out. And, um, you know, so as someone that's like kind of dealt with 
some mental health stuff in a more extreme fashion at times in my life. It's been a challenging year. Um, I think the hardest thing for me has just been the uncertainty of just like really in every aspect of my life right now, uncertainty, like when am I going to work again, you know, consistently, am I going to tour again? Mm. How am I going to, you know, survive? And then also some things, uh, a lot changed with my mother's life in the last year. And and that's been, Mm -hmm. you know, there's been a lot of uncertainty there and uncertainty with my living arrangements and how long I'll be able to stay here or what. And so it's definitely been a challenging year. Um, but it's had good points too. And, things that I've really enjoyed, like the Whitechapel album. And I just do my best to keep busy and I try to talk to people if I need to. Um, I I definitely have become quite a loner though. Like I do kind of tend to keep a lot of things to myself um, when I'm going through something. It just seems to be how I've not, not because I like don't want to talk to people, but it seems to just kind of be how I've come to deal with certain things. Um, And yeah, man, I mean, it's been hard, but I've been able to to stay positive for the most part and get work here and there as I can. And keeping on the drumming has definitely been uh, staying as productive as possible with drums has been helpful for me and hmm. yeah. you know, definitely makes me feel better overall. And also with my sister and, and family, my mother is, is always like my rock, you know, who's she, I have such a great mother. I was so fortunate. Um, she's the best mm-hmm. mom ever. And, uh, you know, so she's been around for me and, and my sister, uh, who got married a, a couple years ago now, um, a couple months into 2020, uh, she had her first child. Um, okay. and his name is Raiden. Yeah. He's the cutest little homie ever. And, uh, Aww. yeah, man. So she brings him by pretty frequently and, uh, he's like eight or nine months old now, I guess, but. That's been really cool because I've never been around kids before ever. Like mm. I did not grow up around like a baby or a little kid, and um, so I've definitely been enjoying being an uncle, and that's been a lot of fun this oh, year. That's awesome. that's awesome. Yeah, man. So that's been really awesome, and it's been exciting too to see my sister as a mother. I can't believe it. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> I'd never. If you had told me that she'd be a, like a good mom like seven years ago, I'd be like. Pfft. You know, get out of here. <laughs> but she's she is, man. She is. She's prove him she's wrong. Yeah, dude. So yeah, I, I don't know. Did the, does that answer your question? That was good, know. and that actually leads right into an inner circle question from Andy Perfectly. and yeah. Bimbo, who who asked. Um, he he read that you left Good Tiger for mental health reasons, and and he was curious what what led to that, if that's true, and and how you worked through that. Yeah, man, it was it was a culmination of things, I guess, where there was some stuff kind of going on in my home life uh, that was causing me a lot of stress. And then mm-hmm. additionally, the stress of it, it was more like I was getting older and I needed to pay for things and I, I wanted to live on my own and be able to support right. myself. And I was like, I can't. How am I going to do this? And it was kind of like this culmination of stress from a variety of factors yeah. um, that eventually reached like a tipping point. But it was okay. largely mm. the stress of of being like I can't I can't keep turning down paying work to to then yeah. actually lose money and um, yeah. and also having people a lot of different people tell me different things that you know people saying. Uh, no, nah, man, screw that. Like, you'll figure it out. Like, play yeah. what you want to, you know, and then other people being like, no, of course not. Like, you should definitely take the work that pays. And 
and yeah. and just like ultimately having to come to that decision on my own. But at the time, I was probably trying to get insight from too many people instead of just kind of listening to my gut. Um, mm. But there was like a couple things that kind of put it on a tipping point where I had some stuff go on at home with my mom and I was just like in a really bad mental place already. And I was like, I can't take all this stress. I think mm-hmm. this is like what I've wanted to do for a while anyway. So I'm just going to go ahead and do it. And, but yeah, I will say, I do think it was largely like, I'm not sure I would have come to that conclusion had I been in like a much better place in other aspects of my life. But I guess that's kind of, you know, you could kind of say that for almost anything, but right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah, man. So that, I don't know. Does that, that makes, answer the question? That makes complete sense. Uh, yeah. life. Yeah, absolutely. Life, uh, you know, life requires you to, to think for yourself and make good decisions. And I'm glad it sounds like you made a good decision there. And, um, mm-hmm. it's also really cool to hear about the Drumeo thing. I, I'll, I'll have to check that out. We'll have to link oh, to that. Please do. Uh, I was once super this nervous. Comes out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would good. be too. I got asked to awesome. go up there and do something with them. And I said, no, because I didn't feel ready. <laughs> It's not Dude, that I don't no, want to. Man, I just, would, I just didn't feel totally prepared. You yeah, would, you would do great. I think you okay. would do great, man. It's and they're very, they're very good people. Like they're very nice people. I met yeah. some of them at Pasic and Nam. My nervous experience last year was Zildjian Live, so maybe I'm in for one once COVID lifts. But um, yeah, I don't think yeah. I can get more nervous than that. In fact, you I, know, I, it'll be easy could, compared to that. You could do what I I did, which was a. Uh, so my friend Ash Pearson is uh, the drummer of Revocation. He works kind of part-time for Drumio because he lives out in Vancouver. And oh, okay. It was great, man. He he did my episode where he was like, and he doesn't normally do that, but they kind of just like made an exception and let him do it. Normally it's Jared or one okay. of the other guys. And um, he did mine and it was great because it was basically just like me talking to my friend. I felt nice and comfortable. And, oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah, man. That was lovely. So... That's really uh, but cool. But dude, I and it also kind of the one other good thing was because my episode I decided, you know what is funny? At first they weren't super into the idea of me doing an episode of like specifically about mental health. Right. And, but then they kind of grew on them and they were like, actually I think this could be really good when I kind of elaborated on it. Um but because that's what the episode was about, it was kind of like like perfect that I was so anxious because I was mm. like Listen, guys, I'm anxious as hell right now, but hey, that's what we're talking about. So I'm really nervous, and to yeah. that point, <laughs> yeah, man. But uh, that's yeah. Great. Wait, what was what were you saying before that? I oh man, I was gonna say uh, something. I was saying Drumio asked me to come up there and do it, and I didn't. Before that, I was saying that was I think you made good decisions, yeah. And I'm excited oh, to watch the uh, yeah the Drumio thing. We're gonna we'll we'll maybe feature a part of that. Um, in promoting this episode um sure so yeah that would be that would be cool yeah so i guess on that note um what you know how how should people find out about you if they don't already follow you on instagram or youtube um how you know what's the best way for them to uh to look you up yeah dude uh i guess you know this stuff like instagram slash alex rudinger that's my name it's my handle uh (laughs) You know, I have a website too, alexrudinger.com. It's got like my web store and links to Patreon and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, even just like cool. my YouTube. My YouTube is not my name though, because I made that YouTube channel when I was like 13. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you can find it, but it's it's like MD Terps 10 Maryland Terrapins. You know, when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and like 
mm-hmm. basketball. Okay. I mean, I still love basketball. Come on. Yeah, yeah. But nice, nice. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, dude. It's the only sport that I keep up with on the regular. But yeah. Um, <laughs> nice. You guys can like, you know, I don't know. You can link something if you want, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we will. I always we like. Certainly will. And well, thank you. Yeah. How can people? How can people find out about uh, RS Drums too? Oh is, yeah. Is there a website? Um, yeah, just rsdrums all one word dot com. Rsdrums.com and. Um, mm, easy enough. Yeah, man, and we've been a. Uh, it's it stands obviously Rudinger and Sastry, you know, because um, of Noob's mm-hmm. last name and my last name, and um, yeah, it's it's still relatively new in terms of just the company, um, but it's been doing pretty well so far, and we're excited. We have a lot of ideas where we want to do drum instruments initially, um, but we do have a Noob actually, especially man, he's such a good engineer. He has mm-hmm. um, some really good ideas. As well for other plugins that he'd like to explore, mm. and uh, mm. oh, that's cool. yeah, that may that's very exciting to me as well. But we have a pretty good working uh, relationship, him and I, and and obviously, you know, a lot of people don't. I think a lot of people don't really know this, but I've known him uh, since I was like in middle school, since before either of us played drums wow. professionally or anything. Oh, so cool. yeah, so uh, we grew up that's together, and, and he knows me very well. So it's it's cool to you know be working in a business with him and uh yeah man mm. yeah that's great that's cool. cool well dude thank you so much for joining us today this has been awesome and um yeah. i know it will benefit uh drummers and non-drummers alike and it's just good to catch up man thanks for your time yeah likewise man and and wait real quick matt dude you should totally do drumia sometime if they ask you because <laughs> okay. i think you would i i really do i mean i i just think you'd i'd love to see that and uh I think you'd have a really good time. So cool. Well, yeah. Thanks for the recommendation. I'll I'll add it to my list of things when our world wo- our world opens <laughs> right? up. <laughs> right. Yeah. When man. the world yeah. returns. Yeah, dude. I, I look yes. forward to it. Yeah. And, uh, Me too. and Tim, I, I don't know if we we didn't speak a whole lot during this, but I you know it's been lovely chatting <laughs> with both of you. And uh, yes, yeah. yes, very nice getting to know yeah, you. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much, dude. Appreciate you. Yeah. No doubt. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Holy Ghost Notes. We just want to thank Alex for coming on the show with us. Uh, We had a great time talking and getting to know Alex a little bit more. Um, I obviously have spent a little bit of time with that dude on tour and have a lot of respect for him and the way that he lives his life and works diligently at his craft. It's just incredible. So make sure you uh, check out what he's up to this year. Um, And if you're looking to improve your double bass, as I mentioned in that episode, I think Alex's course on double bass is is one of the best out there, if not the best. It hurts. It's not fun. It's painful. But that's typically what the criteria is for a good final result, right? So anyway, check it out. And thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. Uh, I would like to thank the Inner Circle for helping to keep this podcast alive. Uh, I have a new shout out. Arthur Mikovitz. Thank you so much for signing up to be a part of 
this podcast and supporting it, a part of the inner circle. If you're wondering what this is, what is the inner circle? What's that all about? Um, it is a way that you can sponsor us. It's a way that you can keep us alive and help us continue to do this on a biweekly basis. Um, basically there are different tiers and depending on which tier you sign up for, you receive, um, you know, special, uh, access, I guess you would say. So at one tier, you're able to get into my website, macronalessons.com. It, uh, permits you access and you can start learning August Burns Red songs on drums. Um, and you know, you can start at the very bottom tier and you can work your whole way up single stroke, double stroke, triplet, ghost note. Um, they all have something to offer and we try to try to build it out in such a way that it can accommodate everyone's ability to give. So thank you guys so much for listening and supporting us. We really appreciate you very much. And uh, Tim, I miss you. It's not the same without you. But you can still say it even as you edit and listen to this podcast. Peace.